everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 143. Today we are going to be continuing our Francis Ford Coppola Corner with a review of the anthology film New York Stories from 1989, followed by a review of the new M. Night Shyamalan film Knock at the Cabin. So without further ado, let's get into our Francis Ford Coppola Corner. Nothing is so terrible as a pretentious movie. I mean, a movie that aspires for something really terrific and doesn't pull it off is shit. It's scum. And everyone will walk on it as such. And that's why poor filmmakers, in a way, that's their greatest horror, is to be pretentious. So here you are, on one hand, trying to aspire to really do something. On the other hand, you're not allowed to be pretentious. And finally you say, fuck it. I don't care if I'm pretentious or not pretentious or if I've done it or I haven't done it. All I know is that I am going to see this movie. And that for me, it has to have some answers. And by answers, I don't mean just a punchline. Answers on about 47 different levels. And uh, it's very hard to talk about these things without being very corny. You use a word like self-purgation or epiphany. They think you're either, you know, a religious weirdo or, you know, an asshole college professor. But those are the words for the process, this transmutation, this renaissance, this rebirth, which is the basis of all life. And just like we do every time here, if this is your first time joining us for the Francis Ford Coppola Corner, this is just a special that we've been doing for over a year at this point. Because <laughs> we are the... a lot more movies than we thought he did. We are the Francis Ford Coppola Podcast. We are. Marco, yell it loud and proud. He actually has shaved his beard to look just like a Francis Ford Coppola beard. Very Absolutely. Italian. Mm-hmm. He's um, even in his hair a bit. Yep. He is wearing I'm the ready, glasses. baby. He's like, what do you mean? So, for the most part, we... From the start of his career from Dementia 13 all the way to his newest film that was probably is going to come out, question mark. Uh, we are just reviewing all of Francis Ford Coppola's films. We are over halfway done with them, and at this point, we are... This is the last film from the 80s, actually, so uh, just let everyone know. So we always give you guys a little bit of trivia. What was he doing up until then? I believe the last movie that we saw was Tucker. So Yeah. Uh, a Man so in His Dream from 88. So this is following up. So some trivia here. Just to let you guys know as well, for this movie, because it was like an anthology one done with two other directors, kind of hard to find info on this, man. I don't even know how this came about. But uh, in 1989, Coppola teamed up with fellow Oscar-winning directors Martin Scorsese and Woody Allen for an anthology film called New York Stories. Coppola directed the Life Without Zoe segment, starring his sister Talia Shire, and also co-wrote the film with his daughter, Sophia. Life Without Zoe was mostly panned by critics and was generally considered to be the segment that brought the film's overall quality down. Hal Hinson of the Washington Post wrote a particularly scathing review, stating that, It's impossible to know what Francis Coppola's life without Zoe is. Co-written with his daughter Sophia, the film is a mystifying embarrassment. It's by far the director's worst work yet. (laughs) And with that, let's get (laughs) with that. Let's get into our review of New York Stories. I'm 50 years old. I'm a partner in a big law firm. You know, I'm very successful, and I still haven't resolved my relationship with my mother. Zoe, I know this is. This is difficult, but your father and I are trying a reconciliation. What? Look, I'm moving out. Where are you going to go? What can you afford? You don't want to sleep with me anymore? Hey, I'm a big boy. You don't have to go out in the street. We're still employer-employee, right? All right. So, New York Stories came out in 1989. 
sitting at 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. So this one, composed of three stories, a middle-aged artist obsessed with his pretty young assistant, a precocious 12-year-old living in a hotel, and a neurotic lawyer with a possessive mother make up three of the Gotham Tales. The first one is directed by Martin Scorsese, titled Life Lessons. The second by Francis Ford Coppola, titled Life Without Zoe. And the third by Woody Allen, titled Oedipus Rex. Written by Richard Price, who did Life Lessons. Francis Ford Coppola and his daughter Sophia Coppola, who did Life Without Zoe. And Woody Allen wrote Oedipus Rex. Released March 10th, again in 1989. Its budget was $15 million, and it grossed a whopping $10.7 million. Yikes. So, once again, Coppola back on his bullshit, you know. He had help this time, though, so I don't really... Yeah, yeah. He, he, can't take the, the, he can't take all the blame. He yeah. has a, a third of that blame is his, really. So, uh, Life Lessons uh, stars Nick Nolte as Lionel Dobby and Rosanna Arquette as Paulette. Life Without Zoe stars Heather McComb as Zoe, Talia Shire as Charlotte, and Giancarlo Giannini as Claudio. Oedipus Rex stars Woody Allen as Sheldon Mills, Matt Castella as his mother, Mia Farrow as Lisa, and Julie Kavner as Treva. So, again, we usually go with if we've seen these before and what our history is with it. So, I think I'll start with Nabil on this one. Have you seen this movie before, Nabil? I have not seen it before. I've never, I never even heard of it until we uh, had to watch it ourselves here. So this is a first for me. All right. What about you, James? Have you seen this one before? I've actually only seen the beginning one, Life Lessons. I've watched that before during an art class, actually, randomly, not even a film thing. So I, I've seen a third of it before. I had never seen the other two segments, Life Without Zoe or Oedipus Rex. So. For the most part, pretty new coming in. Although I have, I did see that first uh, segment or short story. I guess uh, I'm with Nabil. I'd never heard of it and never seen it either. So watching with new eyes here. So James, what did you think about this one? Hmm. What did I think? I I did not enjoy this one. I I, I well, I'll say this much. <laughs> I liked Life Lessons actually because um I actually enjoyed that one for some reason. Uh, well, there's the reasons behind. I'll, I'll break it down, but for the most part, life without Zoe, I I agree with that scathing review. Like I was like, holy shit, what is this? I guess it's based on Eloise. If you guys know who that is, the books Eloise. It, oh it's yeah, based on that. that's where it reminded yeah. me of. So too. this is actually mm-hmm. what it's based on, and it makes sense because she lives in a hotel and yeah. goes on her little zany adventures and shit, right? So I was like, okay, I guess, but it just didn't work for me. I didn't care about her. She came off as really annoying. No offense to Zoe. And then, I mean, it was like pointless, really, I guess. I, I don't know. I just didn't like it. I mean, I, I'm just trying to focus on the Coppola one here a little bit. And then um, Oedipus Rex, it starts out like, okay. There was some, I, I won't lie, I lie, I laughed a few times. And then I think the second half is terrible when the mom is, you know, just in space for some fucking reason. It's so fucking weird. Yeah. Everything is so tonally weird. And these, all three are so different. Life Lessons is like... An adult story, Life Without Zoe is a kid's story, and the Otis Prax is just like a a weird comedy, you know? It's like, what the hell? I don't know what they were thinking, man. Like, it just doesn't, it didn't flow for me, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll let I'll let Nabil bring up what he thought. Uh, I'm kind of in, almost on the same page as James. Life Lessons was, I mean, I'll say it here, was my favorite of the three. I think it was a stronger one. It, it, <laughs> 
I kind of figured it was a Scorsese one too as I was watching. I was like, this seems like something Scorsese would do. Um, it. I, I like Nick Dolte. I like the the troubled artist who's looking for his muse and like it, it was all kind of like a, where are we going with this until we hit the very like literally the last scene i was like and there it is okay i get like, everything that was happening was because the guy's a womanizer and he's just looking for love the next love that he puts all his heart into and that I mean, was the it, thing the, it's yeah. also he I needs mean, that that distractions and yeah, also he needs distraction to help him he needs create terrible relationships for his art to thrive basically because yeah. all his paintings exactly into were reminiscent yeah. of like what had been going on so and then I, th- I thought that like that was a much more poignant tale and and in the theme of like a story in new york that's one aspect of it as an artist you know being out there so i thought it was cool life without zoe i thought was fun i i think i liked it a little bit more than you did james i think it was cute i i do get your point though in the sense of like what what were we doing with this like nothing really happened like mm-hmm. okay it's uh it was a final short story. Maybe if he was going to do like a, a full on kids film based off of uh, Zoe, I think it would have been much more entertaining. But I guess a no, slice of life. You know what? You're right. Thing, that, that's you know? maybe that's what I was thinking too. Mm. Yeah, you know, because like, like it feels it, like that was like a condensed version of something that should have been bigger. Like that's yeah. Like a, I feel like if it was done like that, it would have been a, yeah. a great kids film to watch. Like I'd watch it as a child, but I, like in this setting of the three films. I don't I don't see how this really fits um as well but you know it, it Zoe, the character who played Zoe Heather Co- McComb I thought she, I I know you found her annoying I thought she was actually pretty she did pretty well considering you know mm-hmm. her being around Talia Shire and Giancarlo Giannini like she held herself against him pretty well and she was kind of being the mother in some aspect and the adult in the other one it was kind of weird how they kind of put everything together with the robbery and then like and it, it, it obviously all kind of came together, but it seemed a little forced how they were doing it. But you know, it was it wasn't the worst. Um, it wasn't the worst of what I've seen him do. I feel like that review was a little scathing on on Coppola. But um, and, and, and in regards <laughs> to Oedipus Rex, I honestly just don't like Woody Allen. I think this helped cement that. So I'm a. I feel like I'm a bit biased because I I got a lot of his jokes. I did. I do agree. It started out much stronger. Um, especially his jokes with his mother and being upset with her and, you know, all she was just complaining about everything. Like, it was funny, but I just, yeah. I don't like Woody Allen. I didn't like where he went with this, with the big mother in the sky kind of thing. See, I, I, get the I point, like Woody Allen normally. I it's just, it. this one got too weird for me, man. Like, I was like, oh, what the fuck is this, man? Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it went kind of You know, the woman that he falls in love with is the voice of Marge Simpson. I just kept imagining fucking Marge Simpson. Oh, I didn't. Time. Oh, mm. Julie Kavner. Oh, oh. I yeah. didn't even realize that. Did you know Mia yeah. Farrow is like his, uh, he's, hey, homie. <laughs> you know, he gets in a long-term relationship with her daughter. It's fine. Whatever. We don't have to talk about that here. Marco, what did yeah, you think gonna, about, uh, yeah, no, the films? Uh, I mean, we can bring up some strong subjects, I guess. Everyone's a little adult here. Uh, I didn't really like this movie either. I thought it was okay. I thought, uh, kind of like what you guys were saying, like, Every story just seemed kind of empty. I think the only thing that connected all three was the fact that these were all like troubled individual with uh, Nick Nolte's Lionel Dobby being the most troubled and the most dangerous out of all of them. I think he's a fucking sexual predator and an abuser and uh, and a gaslighter. And I think that uh, it was more or less kind of like a horror story, man. Like the whole time I was just kind of hoping Paulette could get away from this fucking psycho. Like, I, I don't care that it helps him write his art. Like, no art, you know, deserves that kind of bullshit. So, 
um it was just kind of weird to kind of like it was cringy to watch it like Nick Nolte's character at some points where I just kept fucking shaking my head. I'm like, God, this motherfucker, dude. So, uh, so like every the fucking Nick assholes movie, we read yeah. about, you know, so a bit um, cringy there. He was super cringy, yeah. dude. So I think that actually helped enjoy life without Zoe a bit more because it's more lighthearted and the story, although a bit everywhere, like the the central point was Zoe just wanted to feel like a bit of normalcy with her family. Like her her mom was always like a no show. Her dad was a traveling musician that always put his art before, and she was trying to make all this chaos work. And she found a way to make it work. It's like, well, we have all this fucking money, and he travels and tours, and I she actually likes his music. So why not combine the two and just join him on tour at the end? And I thought that that was kind of cool she you know went to go see her dad you know perform in all these prestigious places and stuff um i i agree with you nabil i think uh heather mccomb carried herself pretty well and you know i i i judge uh child actors pretty harshly she was i mean was she like great or perfect no but i felt like she embodied the character pretty well of you know this you know you know 12 12 year old rich kid that's you know spoiled beyond belief and just has all this i guess free time because her parents are they're not really that responsible so she tries to be the glue that holds everything together she tries to quote unquote be the adult the the whole like subplot with the robbery and the fucking missing uh necklace or earring whatever the fuck it was like i was like what is the point of this like i i think that's really what held the whole like thing back the whole story back was just that subplot like i just didn't care for it it was funny when they were you know during the robbery like they're being robbed and uh like uh the bad guys are just fucking hilarious they're just saying stupid shit it seems it was very weird that that robbery scene because it it seemed like like they were threatening but also like not kind of comes out of nowhere too yeah just kind of casual yeah (laughs) you got the dude from uh something with Something about Mary just, just yeah, pointed again at her and too. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was fucking dying. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a nice little cameo. Uh, Oedipus Rex. I mean, Woody Allen just basically playing himself. I guess I don't know. Uh, it was okay. I I agree he, that he the first half plays is, himself, dude. Yeah, the, the first the first half I guess is far more enjoyable I, than the rest. Yeah. yeah when <laughs> when the mother I generally I generally laughed. I, I'm not gonna lie. I genuinely was laughing a bit because uh, you know like the mom things when he's talking. I was like, I like this. And then yeah. it takes a turn for the fucking strange. I was like, I would have never guessed in a million fucking no, years. It was weird. This is where the plot was gonna go. If you were like, guess what happens next? I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah. At first it was funny, but then I was like, where are we going with this? Like okay, I didn't like. See, I I thought that was the cringiest fucking thing. I was like, this is so weird. I, and I mean, by the, the way, are no stupid, offense to 1989, but... it looks terrible too. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's fucking terrible, dude. I just think it's hilarious yeah. that there's this giant face over the city, and I was just like, it's fucking Rick that and Morty everybody shit, can dude. see. By the way, it's the not like it's like one it person, and then everyone's just like, oh, I don't, that's how my son is true. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> see that part everybody was stupid. would be freaking yeah. the fuck out if this was real. Yeah, I think it's that it was to to me. I think Oedipus Rex was the weakest one of of the three. You know, as, as far as like, guys, but okay, yeah. I was like, all right. I saw I Life Without Zoe, and I thought right off the bat, I was like, Mark was gonna fucking hate this. 
But apparently, I'm not. I'm fucking losing it in my old age now. <laughs> <laughs> I so, I think it was all over the place. I did. Cynic. I saw these with my brother too. I, I just I kept asking like, what is the point of the story though? I don't know what's going on here. But I think the characters and were. Your brother held oh, up two earrings. This. Sorry. Yeah, he's got them. He's like, I got them. <laughs> I stole them, motherfucker. This I was is like, the point, Marco. No. This so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think the characters, crazy enough, were more interesting. They're a little more lighthearted, I guess. And uh, I think that's probably why I enjoyed it more. And uh, again, Lionel Dobby was a piece of shit. And I stand by it. I, you know, if he was a real person, I'd sock him <laughs> in the fucking face. But you know, that's just me. Which I mean, speaking of which, Nick Nolte gives a really good performance, though. Just showing that. Oh yeah, he's, he's really no, strong. He, this. he he did yeah. great. I think performance-wise, uh, the chemistry between him and Rosanna Arquette was the strongest. I mean, they they, they really gave a believable performance. So. Yeah, yeah, he just, I, he I mean, just wanted to kiss her ankles, man. That's all. Been there, bro. It, Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, any uh, any particular scenes that stood out for you guys, James? Anything that stood out for you? Or? Just uh, Nick Nolte playing basketball with loud ass music playing, bro. It's fucking <laughs> rocking out. And you know what? Player. Slanging it too. By the way, mm-hmm. god damn, I was like yeah. three. Just sweaty. He looks sweaty the whole fucking time. Looking fucking dirty as fuck. I just I like, like man. Not once like did I see this guy shower. <laughs> he cleans up for the party. I just always remember that fucking music that's always playing. Same song, yeah. whole fucking time. Yeah, it's his favorite, bro. Rocking out. I did like the uh, mm-hmm. song at the beginning. I I remember distinctly listening to that one, like an instrumental version of it, when I was a kid. I was like, oh shit, I haven't heard this song in a while. I never knew it had lyrics. Anyway. What about for you, Nabil? Uh, any scene that stuck out from any of these? Or I like the little Steve Buscemi cameo in there, too. That was fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a couple cameos. And there's, uh, what's his fucking name? Um, oh, Larry David was in it. Yeah, yeah Larry, Larry David. David. Larry yeah. David. I was like, what the it fuck? Did. When yeah. I saw him, I was like, that fucking Larry David? That was funny. Looked it up. Yep, it's Larry David. Just- Man. He didn't have hair in the 80s either, poor guy. Dude, <laughs> I, he, didn't look, he does not look very different other than like, mm-hmm. okay, a no. little less wrinkles. I was like, what the hell, dude? Yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was I'd say opinion. like of the films, probably like my favorite, or I won't say favorite, but the film that the scene that did stand out the most was just when his uh, uh, Sheldon Woody Allen's character, his mom showed up with her aunt or her sister or whatever she is to his office, and just was there. He's like, "You bought me tickets <laughs> to this show," and then he's like, "Wanted the show or the office? She can't hear a thing. Don't worry, she can't hear anything." But you know, I'm just trying to. I, that was the scene that I la- I started laughing. I was yeah, like, "Okay, this is actually kind of funny." Too when he sees them coming yeah. down hell slow. Yeah, yeah. And you like, could see their, the dread. He was slowly coming. Yeah. I was like, "What? My mom?" And then he's there, and then the boss. And that whole scene was kind of funny. So she like, hecka Alsa's boss that he's having an affair too. It's <laughs> yeah. like, Whoa, like oh, the one with the mistress. <laughs> yeah. I know, but then fucking th- three minutes later, it just turns to a sci-fi. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. it's wild. I I'm think... Like, just stick uh, with the main plot, man. <laughs> Who the fuck wrote this? Sorry, sorry. Woody no, Allen, no, that's Woody fine. Allen. I know. Woody Allen wrote. Uh, for me, yeah, I think the the Steve Buscemi cameo stood out for me the most in Life Lessons. And also the fact that both him and Roseanne Arquette are also uh, co-stars in uh, Pulp Fiction. Years later, that was pretty cool. They both got to work with um, Martin Scorsese first. Nice. That stood out to me. <laughs> Everything yeah. else, I was like, forgettable, <laughs> really. Uh, I th- 
think we've pretty, pretty much, much gone over things we wanted to go over. Yeah, there's not much else to talk about. Um, it's a, it's a short anthology. Want to see more I don't know if there of. was a purpose. I don't know. Just oh. to add a note, I don't know if there was a purpose for them to actually link together or not. I know, like a lot of the obviously the '90s and 2000s, they York? were there. Yeah, it? but like That's this it. one, it, they didn't really have a link, so I don't know if that there was a purpose to that or not. Or they just like, wanted maybe they all be together at the end, like, like yeah, the they didn't connect. I, I mean, that, that I just, just the fact that they all weird. had troubled lives. One was abusive. One was abandoned. The other was, um, I guess, I don't know, suffocated. His mom. Yeah. Yeah. Suffocation or. Yeah. I, I do like the scene. I, I will bring up one last thing. When his mom is gone and he doesn't know where she's at, and his life is just way fucking better. <laughs> yeah, it was better. Yeah. And he's just like, oh my God. <laughs> every, everything. Like, his life's, like, on the fucking up and up. And then, you know, until his mom shows up again in the fucking sky, which is so fucking random. Yeah. But. He's just walking on sunshine. Could have just left what's it at her, her disappearing during a magic thing. I'm like, all right. That's, that makes what's sense. random is how she comes back. She just All right. I'll be back. <laughs> So I, I know our uh, our opinions of life without Zoe's are, are are a little different, but how does this compare to the previous couple of films we've seen so far? Start with you, Nabil. I mean, okay. <laughs> Go ahead, <Nabil. laughs> James has got the well. Just just to put it out there, like I said before, I don't think it's a worse film. I I, I feel like there's there's, there's definitely there some other me. ones we've seen, but it's not his strongest <laughs> film. I again, I go back to saying that. I think he should. You know what? If I look at it like, hey, did he shoot this for a TV show? Then I'd be like, okay. But it was for a fucking yeah. theatrical release. Man. Yeah, it was for a theatrical release. And I think if he did this as a full-on movie, this would have been fun. Like a good PG film, whatever. That would have been a great time. As a short in this specific anthology, not sure what we were trying to get. I don't think it's that strong. It it was kind of a bit of, uh, of a, a mess. I don't know if that's just mm-hmm. I mean, writing or direction or what scenes, it is. So, yeah. He knows where yeah, his are. I, I can't help but think because it wasn't allowed to breathe and there, there was just so much in such a short period of time that technically it is like one of his worst really. But I do agree that, yeah, if he had done like a, a like a full blown like episode or a full feature on this, it probably would have had that that time to breathe and would have actually been a better plot than what we got. But it was just condensed way too much and. It, it because of that yeah. it, it just felt too like all over the place so i mean it definitely shows i mean they're like oh he co-wrote it with his daughter i'm like yeah it, it seems like a 17 year old wrote this <laughs> so, yeah. it's a story just, she's been I telling mean, herself for years i mean coming yeah, from she's like, I finally got going made, just so. just going through the previous film tucker and coming to this it's like you know it's a bit of a downgrade and what a you know, step down i mean there is one shot where the robbery's happening whether there's any like unique camera work in my opinion that in the closing scene too, how they kind of fade away and it shows the, uh, you know, their grease or whatever. Historically um, speaking, from his other films though, I mean, he's not really good with time constraints, guys. We've we've kind of seen that, you know. And it seems like he probably he's, was on this one. I'm assuming because there's two other directors and they had to turn their shit in, probably, right? Yeah. But I'm so, I'm assuming they probably talked to each other and verified and seen what they're doing. And I don't know. This movie's a mess. So. What if they edited each other's films? No. Maybe that no was the fucking, twist. There's no fucking way. He had George come in. He's back. Well, just see, man. Maybe um, if hey, you had Zoe, hey Martin, well, the lightsaber. Hey, what if? Uh, um, you should put your mom in the space. Sensitive. That's for the Star Wars. <laughs> she's a, she's a Jedi. Was, That's why he. She, she, can, she was actually on Dantos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Him. He was still. All alive. right. With 
with that, I think we've reached the moment where we give this bad boy a star rating. One through five. Five being the best. Start with BDJ here. Big Day Jimmy. Originally, I was going to say two, but the more we talked about it, the more I hate this movie. So it's it's a one and a half out of five. <laughs> so that means you probably wouldn't recommend this one, right? No. You can skip uh, this like, one. You can just If you're three and you don't understand English. <laughs> you know, I, didn't say, I didn't say that. I'm not making languages. What uh, what about you, Nabil? I I gave it a two and a half stars. I thought it was okay. It's not not the best film, but that's right. I I give it a two. Yeah, I I almost gave it like a one and a half, like James. But I'm gonna I'll give it a two. There were some aspects of it that were interesting, but no, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. This is a a hard skip. I mean, unless you're a completionist and you're doing like the full library I, like us. And just a maybe. heads up, we almost didn't even do this one when I was making up the list because it's, you know, an anthology movie. But because it's yeah. available, I was like, ah, fuck it. We might as well. Cause, I is mean, this we the don't... lowest rated Coppola film that we've done here? Are we over? No, this is 75%, our bro. What are you talking about? This is actually. No, no, no. Good. Our score. Our score. Our score? Um, I feel like this is um, the lowest. No, I don't think it is. Not with your two and a half now. <laughs> Gardens of Stone's pretty down there. I mean, yeah. So. And um, what's the one with um, Captain Neo? Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, not Captain Neo. We didn't rate Captain Neo. Um, oh damn! The other, uh, the one in Vegas. Oh yeah. Oh, the dancing one. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember its name. Right Can't remember its name either. Uh, but I did like the music there, though. Music we are the official podcast, no, wait, wait, though. Don't get things twisted. Uh, one for the heart. That one's got rated pretty low. There we go. Too. Although there were yeah. more aspects of that, I'd probably actually rewatch that movie at this point. Even yeah, just because I'm like, I'd probably oh, you know yeah that one over this one. But I, again, like this one, and that's be- and and that might just be because of uh, Raul Julia is just fucking awesome in that movie. Just yeah, like, yes. oh, you know good. what? Yeah, and then he he deserves. We didn't like Rubble Fish, but I think one of you guys liked fucking. Rubble I like Rubble Fish. I thought it was terrible. So. We're grading on the curve, right. guys. That's what's going on. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, okay. All right. And so before we get into our main review here, let's take a quick ad break. Let's stop here for a moment to let you all know about Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up the most trending articles on the web on topics you choose at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time ever, the entire web becomes listenable all in one place. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, tech, business, science, Bitcoin, or heck, even the Kardashians. Newsly will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. They even have digital radio. Did we mention they also have podcasts from over 80 countries? Well, they do, and guess what? The Movie Pals podcast is there too. I started using Newsly as my default podcast player, and I can't think of ever going back. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me or from the link in our description. And make sure to use our promo code TMPALS, that's T-M-P-A-L-S, to receive a one-month free premium subscription. Newsly, stop scrolling and start listening. Alright, and now for our review of Knock at the Cabin. Hi there. Can I talk to you for a little bit? 
You have to come inside right now. There were four of them. What do we say? You shouldn't make things up when we're talking about... Can you open the door, please? They're breaking in! Fuck us, you baby. We're not here to hurt you. But you have to stay here in the cabin with us. Families throughout history have been chosen to make this decision. Your family must choose to willingly sacrifice one of the three of you to prevent the apocalypse. We're not sacrificing anyone. For every no you give us, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. Knock at the cabin. Currently sitting at a 68% Rotten Tomato score. Uh, the synopsis, while vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. This was directed by M. Night Shyamalan, who of course has also done The Sixth Sense, Signs, and most recently, Old. This is also written by M. Night Shyamalan, um, as well as Steve Desmond and Michael Sherman. And this is actually based on a book called The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. Uh, the film was released in theaters February 3rd. It's currently starring Dave Bautista as Leonard, Jonathan Groff as Eric, Ben Aldridge as Andrew, Kristen Coy as Wen, Nikki Amuka Bird as Sabrina, Rupert Grant as Redmond, and Abby Quinn as Adrian. And before we go into our thoughts of the film, we're just it's kind of hard to talk about this without spoiling what the overall plot is, so we are going to say it off the bat that this is an overall spoiler warning, so if you haven't seen it, there, for for an M Night film, I feel like there really isn't a twist, but there's a little twist. So you know, we we don't want to spoil that for you if you haven't seen it yet. So definitely go watch the film, and then come back and hear our thoughts on it. Otherwise, skip forward and you can hear the outro and find out what we're listening to next. Nabil already took his shirt off, guys. I'm ready. I'm ready. He's like, I'll show you a knock at the cabin. Let me show you a real <laughs> What's twist. It What's it mean? <laughs> Uh, so we're gonna start with you, James. What were your thoughts over this one? Uh, I went into this movie with pretty much zero expectations, but um, you know, M Night has been one of those directors that you know he had kind of a, a lull somewhat halfway through his career, and I think now he's been coming off some pretty solid movies. Truth be told, I, I really enjoyed this one. I like this one yeah. quite a bit. Uh, I think it has some very strong performances. It's it all takes place in one spot, really, for the most part. There's not a lot of you know, there's a few flashback scenes and such, but kind of like thought, a play, though, almost. Yeah, very much. Which is, um, you know, it actually, I wouldn't be surprised if this ever does become a play. But um, I liked all the characters too, man. Nobody in the the runtime on it too. It's not too long. Like it never overstated its welcome with me. Um, I like the message that it brought out too, and um, overall, I, I don't think there's really a twist to it. But I mean, there's there's like interpretation, I guess. But um. It was fun. It was fun, and I I, I I saw this one with Mikey and Marco too. So, good company. Mm. Oh, Big day Marco, night. what what were your thoughts on it? Did you have the same experience as James? Ah, uh, well, James didn't really invite me to dinner this time. So, <laughs> oh, you're talking about the movie? Wow. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this guy. This fucking guy. <laughs> I uh, I thought it was okay. I thought it was enjoyable. I enjoyed it. I think there were some. Things about it I I had issues with. I, I think the the story was okay. I think some things were a little you know hammered a little too hard into it. But 
I did like the performances. I do agree there with James. I think uh, everyone performed very well. The acting was was really well done. I was surprised with some of these actors. I was like, holy shit, okay, pretty good. There's a lot of intense moments, a lot of on-your-edge scenes that I enjoyed. But, uh, yeah, uh, the plot itself, um, very straightforward. I enjoyed that, too. And uh, I know with Shyamalan, everyone's always expecting, like, you know, the big twist or what's he going to do or yeah. how is it's he going to, you yeah. know. <laughs> there should be a twist. How is he going to throw us <laughs> off? true, yeah. Yeah, this one he was sort of a straight shooter, but uh, even then, some of the stuff I was like, "All right, dude, I get it, chill, I get it, man." <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. <laughs> just didn't want to lean too heavy into it, huh? Yeah, yeah. I was like, "All right, man, you're kind of in my face right now." Yeah, I get that. I get that. I I, I agree with you guys. Like, it was a very enjoyable film. It made me think at the end of the uh, the the movie a little bit on what I would do in the scenario of having to choose, uh, essentially. Again, it's a spoiler, um, but having to choose who I'm supposed to kill. You know, if I've got to sacrifice somebody uh, in my family, what would I do in that situation? Would I let the world die or would I sacrifice one of my friends or family members? You can always I'm adopt. be honest, there. Marco, you're going to have to die. I'm sorry, bro. But if you'll be <laughs> in a better place. Don't have to willingly be able to sacrifice two or something? Yeah, no, Marco accept it. It's fine. 72 virgins is what we believe over here. I mean, so are you saying fine. this because yeah, dude had a concussion and I have a, I had a concussion too? I was like, damn, dude. All right. It was it was an enjoyable film. The, the acting was very strong. I'm, I'm going to be honest. The writing was kind of shit, but that's it's kind of M. Knight's M.O. He's not the strongest writer. Not not from a plot perspective, but from like a dialogue perspective. But the actors do a really good job of carrying that forward. Uh, Dave Bautista, I mean, he was essentially the the second lead in this film next to uh, Jonathan Groff. So, like, I loved D- Dave Bautista. I don't know if I was mm-hmm. convinced that he was a second grade teacher, but but he did a good job trying trying to be. Like, I think he's a really good actor in this film, and I love Jonathan Groff. Like. I've only seen him in a couple of things, but in this film particularly, I'm like, I'd see more movies of this guy. Like, I the, the Bill and Ben the, Aldridge. The, the yeah, shirts, Ben Aldridge is great too. <laughs> the shirts two sizes too small didn't convince you he was a teacher. <laughs> Just a little tight, but he got his little jeans. I think that's, you that's know? the thing, though. Like everybody has like two. They have a look to them, and they then they talk away, you know. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Yet the, they're trying to convey something, but it's it's still like menacing from their point of view in a way. You know, it's such a a deep kind of feel to it i guess it is yeah they're 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 all it's very personable that like they're all put in a situation they don't want to be in but it's such Mm -hmm. a visceral vision that they had um that they were compelled to be where they were at and to do what they were doing like you can go and say that it's faith you can say it was coincidence i will and and maybe we could talk a little bit about this just to get the plot part of it out of the way but like in my opinion i feel like the the buried lead which is like the twist of it being is was it real was it not he basically answers it at the end that it was real <laughs> so I'm like you know there it didn't live a lot of room at least to me of interpretation of saying that this was felt like uh, it could have been either or like it, oh, you feel that way it, yeah it still could be a coincidence it could have all been a coincidence true uh, but the 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 twist of it all for me was just the fact that it was a straightforward there, there really was no twist, and that in itself was the twist. It's up to the viewer, just <laughs> much like, I guess, like the book itself, to decide if it's all like, hey, were these just a bunch of crazy people, or were this, was this legitimately something that was happening? So, very much like, 
which I heard is like the horror aspect of it all is like, what if all these people that come off as super crazy and all this shit, what if they're actually, what if they're telling the truth? Right. And it's, it's, it's reminiscent of like signs, you know, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. What if all that shit actually faith. was real and it turns out it is fucking real in that movie, right? The fucking aliens in the house. Like, whoa. He's like, I'm going to need a ride. So it's just one of those things where it, it, you question it, right? Especially because, you know, I mean, you got Bautista, biggest mother looking motherfucker in the world coming through, and he's just like, you have to find someone to kill. And I'd be like, all right, big guy, get the fuck out of here, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think that's, Ron that's Weasley a was just doing point. fucking, I don't know, was he Horcruxes and shit. I don't know. You tell I me mean, that. you know, he's, he's looking good for for a man who's who's been in seven Harry Potter films. He's doing all right. Check him out. I mean, uh, side note, check him out in uh, Servant. He's been in all four seasons. Yeah, he's been in Servant. That's That's right. I mean, assuming that's why he's in this movie, because he's been working with them. But uh, he He does a good job of playing someone completely disheveled. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With his Boston accent. I don't don't know if that's (laughs) what that really was supposed to be, but, you know, all right. How many drinks have you had there, bro? (laughs) What did you guys think? I was saying, sorry, just back to character real quick. I did really like Ben Aldridge and John LeGroff. I like them a lot. Yeah, did you yeah. feel that? Uh, what did you think about like Kristen Quaid too? Like the kid, do you feel like she was a standout? I thought or she was really good, underutilized. No, I thought she was great for what she was used for, and um, as a child actor, I think she did really well. She never came off to me as doing too much, and you know, at one point I thought maybe she'd make it out, or so- I thought something was going to happen to her the whole time. But which I mean, spoiler in the book, she does actually killed apparently. Right. So I read that up. I was like, oh, oh shit. Well. So yeah, um, I'm actually glad they didn't do that though, because I really would not want to have seen that right now. So. No, not at all. No, the, I think the uh, the family themselves, uh, Andrew, Wen, and uh, Eric, I think they they all fit really well. They you believe that they were like a close knit family. I think their chemistry was great. They were all loving of each other, and uh, I liked how close knit they were. And there was no, you know, none of this like you know trust issues or anything they they all were just kind of like working to try to get out of the situation together and i like that true, yeah. i think they it worked a lot and it made the, the characters that much more likable their little dance and their song too you know it was fun <laughs> i was dancing even at the end oh, it was yeah, sad it was like no no play it play it i was it's like good. turn it back on yeah i'm grooving <laughs> yeah what about the the cinematography what about the technical aspect of the film you know we got i feel like watching this film especially that M. Night, M. Night has really come in with a lot more, or maybe he's come back in with a lot more confidence. Like, as a filmmaker, the, I think it was shot beautifully. I think there was some great angles of, you know, the perspectives was going on. The off-camera horror that was happening mm-hmm. was really well done. Like, James, just, you know, to kind of ask your perspectives on this, how did you feel from um, the overall production of, of what he did as a filmmaker? How do you think this came off this time around? Oh, it's shot really well. I really liked how they they shot this one. Um, I was like, this is gonna look good in 4K. Um, <laughs> it was one of those movies where I think because his last, I mean, Ult was shot really well too. So it whatever was. he's doing, he's fucking, he's 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 doing a good job on it. But I don't know if you guys knew or not, but like the cinematographer on this one also shot The Northman, and he's worked with Robert oh, I didn't know that. before too. Okay. So he's done like The Lighthouse and The Witch and all that stuff, and it shows. At least I think so. Yeah, yeah, and I can see that now. And mm-hmm. his. Uh, He's also uh, done a few episodes of Servant too, but he's um, it has that look to it where it's like, 
a lot of the film, like I said, it only takes place really. I mean, I guess, like I said, the flashbacks. You, you know, you go to the orphanage, the bar, but they're little vignettes. Parents. It's just a small little throwback to it. But yeah, it does a really good job of showing the cabin and showing how things are. There's, there's a shot of like Bautista and like the three of them just standing at one point, and it's like just the outlines of them, um, and they're overlooking the house before they walk in. I think that was like a really nice shot. Uh, that could be like a movie poster shot, probably. There's but another no, there's cool there's another shot. The technical stuff. Oh, sorry, Mark. One sorry, uh, but we, the technical stuff—they they don't do too much with the. I mean, they show the quote-unquote plagues, right? And um, I mean, those are fine for the most part. Yeah, nothing like spectacular. But I, I like the the cabin shots the most. There's another shot right there where, uh, speaking of Batista, where he's lifting his weapon, and the camera just follows the way the the weapon is is being swung. That I thought, like, oh shit, that's that's different. I like that. Like, you're just like following the movements of the weapon at that point. And I thought that that was like a really nice shot. It's another one where it's close to the beginning. And I think they do another one towards the end too, where he just, he <laughs> hate to break this movie up, but uh, he also did it in the happening where you just see like the wilderness and everything. And you just like kind of hear like the wind and the leaves blowing and stuff. No wrestling. <laughs> and he kind of doesn't. Did you guys think it connected to the happening? Yeah. I was like, I oh, kept shit, waiting is for the it. happening like, too? Is, is that part is of the that fucking twist? happening, man? No, but like it, it's, Mark it's so. Show up. Hey, I heard you guys from from the cabin. <laughs> He's like, it's happening again. No, oh, it's no. just so ominous, especially because you know, like something is coming or something eerie is about to happen, and he just he, he for some reason it worked a lot better for this movie. So I like those two shots. Yeah, I do like the shot too, and it, it gets kind of loud when they the killing things happen. They they mm-hmm. amp it up like, oh shit. I am glad they didn't show it. I felt like that really added more to it. Than, yeah, than even even the last more. scene where the uh, the eventual sacrifice happens, you don't actually see it, which is fine by me too. Yeah, I think it just gives more depth. I will say, and I, I just I, I feel like this is kind of common and nice things. Like you have all this great production, great visuals, great shots. We, you know, we we're just talking about it all. Then you see the TV screen with the fake stuff that he's got to put on there. And it's like, a, this is what cable news is supposed to look like, you know, kind of thing. Or where he puts himself in it. I'm acting too in this film, which is fine. No, but it's just well, like, I mean, the production he, is a little less. He's himself in every movie. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, I, which I think is okay. I just feel like that when you see something like that on screen, when he's showing it, each time they kind of click to the news channels, I felt like, the 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 level of quality that we saw that kind of dipped down and it threw me out of it again. I was like, oh yeah, we're watching um this is this is supposed to be a real time coincidence. I don't know, but um that kind of threw me out a little bit every time he'd cut into the television. I was like, oh why can't he use the same kind of quality afterwards? So that was the only kind of critique I had on it. But honestly that obviously doesn't impact the film too much, I think, for most. Yeah, that didn't bother me at all. <laughs> yeah, I was like uh. Okay. What about the ending as a whole? So I know we talked about Nick. Maybe um, it's open to choice. Maybe he, he. I was mentioning that I felt like it. It did kind of give you a definitive ending. Did the, the actual decision for um, Jonathan Groff's character Eric to sacrifice himself, or or I guess kind of forcibly have Andrew sacrifice him? Did you agree with that? Did you kind of see his viewpoint on it, Marco? Let me ask you. What were your thoughts on um, essentially Eric's death? I thought it was heartbreaking, dude. Like, he did a really good job. It was uh, fucking intense for Eric and Andrew to just be there, like, pretty much saying goodbye to each other for the last time. I thought it was just kind of fucking harsh to watch. But I, I 
it made sense that Eric chose for Andrew because he you kind of hinted or it was kind of hinted in the movie that he was sort of more the spiritual one. Andrew was more kind of like the I guess the more uh, like agnostic or, you know, more yeah. science based atheist type of character. And for Eric, even at the at the beginning, you started to see that he was kind of like thinking, oh, shit, this this might be, you know, real. But he was just trying to support, you know, his his partner who's trying to support Andrew and be supportive of him. And then it was in the that last moment where he was like, I'm, you know, I'm OK with this. I, I believe I think this will, will work and um, I've made my peace with it. It was it was fucking intense. And I think Shyamalan filmed it in a way to where, like, whether you, you know, ag- agree with it or not, like it was still like a very hard like decision and it even made it to where like you didn't want to agree with it because you've grown, grown to like these characters. You don't, you want all of them to make it. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's not like that. So yeah, I, I agree with that decision because it makes sense, but it's also just fucking heartbreaking to watch. So what about you, James, any additional thoughts on that ending? Would you have wanted to see it a different way? No, I really liked how it played out. I, I agree with Mark. I even got a little teary eyed. They, they're like he's telling him like the future he sees with his daughter, right? And I was like, oh god, the feels. Yeah, weird. that, no, that got me too. And I was, like, and I was like, god damn it. You know what I mean? And like, oh, I want you to grow old and with her daughter. I was like, oh, I'm even getting emotional time right now, man. But like, <laughs> I don't know. Just lately, I've been thinking about life a lot lately, and it's like you know, little things like that. It's like it's really beautiful because you see all these flashbacks mm-hmm. too, and the two had to deal with so much and like the you know i don't know if it's andrew's parents who were dicks or some shit or yeah um it's andrew's or um eric's one of them and then like how they met their daughter for the first time and had to kind of lie even to do that and so by the end you're like god this is a fucking bummer you know so Mm -hmm. the line he says you know i'm sorry one thing it's like when eric is like i'm okay with it and like do it now while i have a beautiful image in my mind i thought that was really nice or no. touching, or the line where he says that that no 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 it's fine no I'm I'm glad you got to finish your thought uh the line where he says that you know I know you think they don't deserve to be saved but you know the world talking about the world he's like but let you know let's give him that let's give him that you know salvation I was like fuck like and I, and I do want to bring like the last two movies have had you know well not like my favorite Shyamalan films like I feel like Shyamalan as he's getting older is like looking more back at life too. Because mm-hmm. in, like, old, there was that very touching scene where the family is just, you know, all together on the beach. And um, it's, like, the best scene in the movie to me when they're just all holding each other uh, the yeah. final night yeah. with their parents and shit. And then, like, it's this, a, like, oh, Shyamalan He's getting very hard. philosophical, I think, on some yeah. of these last few films. And they're both kind of about helping uh, the younger generation, like the kids in each of those movies. To make too. it out like, This one, he did it because he wanted to help his daughter as well. Yeah, I'm with you guys on it too. I, I totally agree. I think um, I also like. I, I think where, where it really started to hit me was when Eric kind of said goodbye to Win, in the not so subtle way of saying, you know, don't leave the treehouse until one of us comes to get you, kind of thing. Oh, like and you, you could knew just kind of, yeah, gonna happen, yeah. And you could already see, and she kind of knew it too. Like as they were talking a little bit, and he was just saying how much he loved her. Like He's to like, see that, music on. yeah, it's very sad. That, that got He's very like, touching. So. Um, like, Bautista's about to fucking kill himself. Get out of here. 
I thought Bautista no, would have lived. Was I was like, fuck, you really didn't die. I mean, you know, technically, I guess, what did he say? That they all ha- they were never going to live. They knew they were all going to die. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. So, I don't know. He was like, word to my basketball team. <laughs> That's the kind of coach that flips a fucking chair over when he loses. <laughs> but he'll never harm those kids. What the fuck? He'll always inspire them. Worldly in second grade. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> He's always threatening the other coach. I'll fucking yeah. kill you. You guys would be like, yo, I put a restraining order against that big motherfucker, dude. Dude, but like, I do need to bring up one scene. There is a scene in the bathroom where they almost think he made it through the window. Dude, I looked at Marco immediately and I was like, there's no fucking way he fit through that at, window. Bro. I looked at my wife and I said, I'm going to tell you right now, he's in that bathtub. You can fire yeah, at will. Yeah, me too. I was like, no. Nope. He's in that bathtub. Yeah, the one shot. You said you popped off one shot. That's the big dude. Even if he. But that was literally that like right a there. hobbit could barely make it through that window. So I was yeah, like, yeah. there's no fucking way Bautista's making it through. Like, no, no scratches. There'd be a ripped shirt, at least something to no show. No fucking like, blood around here. it or nothing. Yeah. All around the edge of with broken glass. I'm like, there's no way, dude. That dude's huge. Yeah. No way. <laughs> so, so as as a, I think we've talked quite a bit. I mean, there's not a lot to talk about the film itself. The plot is pretty straightforward, as Marco said earlier. Um, but in regards to M. Night Shyamalan as a whole, as a director, as a filmmaker, where do we feel like he really has his film ranked in with his, especially kind of with his newer stuff? Like James, how do you think this fits in? Do you do you feel like it ranks pretty high or like mid tier? It's like a mid tier one, but I I will say that I've connected more with his more recent movies than I've ever connected to his other movies, like on a personal level. If that makes yeah. sense, to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I haven't found aliens in a farm ever. That's why we're <laughs> you don't, know, you don't feel enough. like. In a village that was actually in uh, 2007 or whatever. Yeah, they didn't speak to you. You never been on an island where they're experimenting drugs on you? No, and I didn't find a nympho or a mermaid in my fucking pool. I (laughs) I think you mean a nymph, sir. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What is that thing? (laughs) So, um, on a personal level, I I feel more connected to his films, which I actually really am enjoying. So it's kind of nice that he's he's having that resurgence of stuff since um yeah I guess since well since Split I think it's kind of when he started coming back. Some might say the visit, but for me it was Split. But, I like the visit. I like the visit it was good. I like the visit a lot too. I actually rewatched it last year with Denise. Oh yeah. But um, since then he's just you know. Glass was like, yeah, you know, whatever. Fucking, we had to figure. It. He's got I, his I ups and downs. So. I feel that if this was like any other director, or like some up and coming director, or some new writer or something, this film would get a lot more praise. A lot of these other films probably get a lot more praise. I think it's M Night. They just are. I don't know if they're expecting more from him or something, but I feel. I feel like if it's not like a, a grade A film for him, it gets knocked down quite a bit. It gets um, criticized quite a bit. I think, yeah, I think the criticisms are a little too harsh on him because overall, like, I feel like it is a solid film. And, um, and I don't know if you I, have I don't like, listened to his interviews. Like, he, he genuinely has a love for film, too. That's really nice to see. He's not just in it, you know, to win awards and shit. He's talking about, like, he wants to reach as many people as possible. And I don't know. It's like a brush of fresh air, man. We, we, me and Marco were talking, but even just about Star Wars and how some people take a lot of shit for granted. And it really mm-hmm. just bums the fuck out of me when I hear shit like that because it's like such a to make a movie is so rare and hard to do, yeah. and it's it's nice to see that there's actual people out there that are just trying to tell stories still and and get it done. So with that being said, I mean, I um like I said, it just it touches me 
personally. So yeah. What about you, Marco? How do you feel like this film ranks amongst his other works? I, I think it ranks mid tier. Also, I, 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 I kind of disagree. I think if this were like an upcoming director or any other director, for me personally, I think I would still kind of judge it the same, mainly because of how in this one and in old, like he kind of the difference between this one old and signs is in signs. It's, it's still kind of like on the fringe versus old and this movie, he kind of hammers his opinion a little too hard for me. And I'm just like, all right, dude, I get it. Disagree with you, but I get it. And it's like, for me, like sometimes it's, it's, um, I don't know. There's, it, there's a, there's a better way to do it. I guess you can do it with a little more grace, I guess. Or yeah, or maybe I'm gonna like, need you to make that film, then Marco. I'm gonna need you to get in there and show me how you could do it better. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I I can't. It's called Arrival. No, I'm just kidding. But um, the, it's like it's good, you know. And I feel like in a way he did leave this movie, you know, kind of open to interpretation. But it still felt like he was kind of like hovering a little bit over it, like you know, kind of like winking at you. And I'm like, all right, dude, relax you know everything else is well written except for that the characters are well written their acting is is done very well cinematography was done well but i I feel like that aspect is kind of what brought it down a notch for me you know it's it's a good movie but it could have been just a little bit better for me you know still like it's cool that he's writing like these solid stories and it's it's still pretty original too like the way they wrote it james was talking about how aside from the flashbacks it's just one location and i thought that's pretty cool when you can make like one location that interesting and that scary then it works um and he did the same for old too is basically like one location also the whole time so yeah yeah basically kind of like that yeah yeah I, I i kind of agree with with you guys in general i would say i feel like i think right now just because of how well he he just directed this film I'd like to see M. Night maybe direct a film that he didn't write and see where that goes. Because as a filmmaker, I've, I've, I feel like he's just really strong right now. Just just watching this made me feel like, wow, he's, I mean, he's obviously been a really good director for ages. But just like seeing it here, I could see that he knows what he's trying to get in his shots. And it's mm-hmm. very, you know, regardless of whatever the script is, he's he has his vision there. And I'm just wondering if he was to be given a script that wasn't of his own creation how he would make that come to life. I'd like to kind of see him do something like that. And maybe he could be one of those. I think he might already be and just hasn't been given the praise, but he could be as, as good as some of the top tier directors that are out there right now. You know, he's good at writing characters though. I'll give him that. Yeah. Like his characters are always interesting. I find. So yeah, maybe if he got yeah, the help on the sto- story wise, but if he could just still write the characters, cause he gives them a lot of depth. Yeah. True. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about our rating of the films. Marco, what would you give this film out of five stars? Uh, I'd, I'd give it three stars. I think you could still go check this movie out and enjoy it for you know what it is. <clears throat> Whether you agree with what he's trying to you know say or not, or how you interpret the movie or not, it's still enjoyable. Again, I think the the cast is strong. The actors you know perform very well. I know we've mentioned it already a few times, but Dave Bautista really is like a standout and primarily because he doesn't really do these types of films. You know, everyone sees him as this big action star, like, you know, muscly, like guy that just goes out and like punches people. And 
he really shows his his acting chops in this. Uh, I've I've I think I've seen almost every other actor with the with the exception of uh, Kristen Ku on uh, you know in other works. So I mean they've done you know similar things to this. So that I think that's why like I give him that extra praise because he's been given the opportunity to do this, and he's you know been very vocal about wanting to do like just regular films and not just like action and sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, James, what about you? How many stars do you give this? You know what? Talking about this one actually made me feel better about the movie too. I'm going to give this one four out of five. Like I said, I, I think with the older I get, the more I'm just connecting with him as a director now and it's a beautiful thing. So I liked it a lot. His heart I think, grew I think most people would, really re- would enjoy it is what I'm getting at too. It's, yeah. I think it's his best movie probably since like Split probably, truthfully. Oh, so the um, best film of this decade so far, huh? All right. All right. I see where you're at <laughs> Well, I mean, that's not, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> technically, yeah, I guess. This is yeah. fucking weird to say. It's very strange of you to do that. But yeah, I would say um, it's definitely one of those movies that it makes you think. And um, I agree with Marco, too. Dave Bautista is fantastic. I really enjoyed the the other leads, too. I I, I don't think there was anybody that I, I was complaining about at all, but definitely Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge uh, stand out. There's some very emotional scenes there, too, and it's, uh, it's really good. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, and I I gave this film a three and a half stars out of five, uh, and I agree with a lot of the same points here. So good film, worth watching. It'll make you think a little bit, um, and we should have Dave Bautista do that rom com he wants to do, guys. I'm sure there's one. <laughs> He's talked about it, right? Yeah, give him, give yeah. give it to him. He deserves it. All right, so with that, that is the end of the podcast. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for your feedback, responsive reviews. And Marco, he's going to let you know an easy, the easiest way now, perhaps, to reach us. You can check us out in this realm or the next. It's up to your interpretation. No, you can check us out uh, on our new Linktree, which links all our socials together. Linktree slash MoviePalsPod. And that will link you to our Instagram Facebook and Twitter. But if you'd like to reach us individually there, it's at MoviePalsPod. Also, if you use Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or Newsly, you can smash that subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. Rate us, review us, keep commenting, keep sharing, uh, keep telling us what you like, what you don't like, any suggestions. We do listen to you. Whether we end up liking what we review or not, hey, we can't say, but at least we'll give it a shot. Thank you. And tune in next time for episode 144. We're going to be dedicating a full episode to the finale of the Godfather trilogy, which you guessed it, is the Godfather Part 3, but we will be doing the director's cut, I guess, right? The final director's cut? The final cut? No, this one's never got... This is the only director's cut's head, so uh, (coughs) technically, no, there's other versions. You're right. But The Godfather Part 3 Coda, we're finally getting to it. It's been a long time coming for this one. It's so. it's what kicked us off of doing <laughs> this to begin with, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, technically. Yes. We're not going to lie. I think it released three years ago at this point. So, <laughs> just to let you know. So, tune in until then. But until then, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a great one.